This is episode number 168, What Boxing Can Do For You, with Martin Stark. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite all of our listeners to our upcoming Courageous Conversation. This is something that we started approximately two to three months ago with the intention of bringing our community even closer and creating a space of mutual understanding for each and every single one of our journeys. If you would like to know more details about how to join any of these upcoming calls, please leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today to which we'll respond with all the details about how you can become a part of this community. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring stories. Now, let's get back to the show. Martin, welcome to the show. You're welcome, my friend. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for connecting with me. And I know that we've had a couple back and forths in as far as trying to make this happen. So <laughs> I'm glad that we're able to finally make it happen and have this conversation about a topic that I can't say I ever have. And the topic is boxing and how boxing has helped you as an individual in so many different levels and elements. And so before we get into maybe the nuts and bolts of what boxing can really do for you as an individual, I'm curious to hear from your end. Why did you go into boxing? Like, what was what was the whole? What was the pain that you were trying to fill through that particular activity? Boxing discovered me at a time where I never believed I needed something further in my life, other than something to help me develop my confidence and uh, skills in fitness. I have the rare autoimmune disease, Addison's disease, where my adrenal glands do not produce cortisol. And it's a bit similar to someone with type 1 diabetes. I have to take replacement uh, steroid medication every day for life. In December 2017, I had a severe Addisonian crisis requiring me to be admitted to the ICU section of emergency. And it almost took my life. Mm. Prior to that, in 2006, I've been in an induced coma and had pancreatitis, septic shock, collapsed lungs, ventilated twice, I've had a tracheotomy. And shortly after that, I was diagnosed with Addison's disease. And for the last 14 years, uh, health has been an important part of my life. And I've tried to maintain good levels of fitness with doing cycle classes at the gym, doing resistance training. But um, I st- struggled with confidence up until about 2016, being an absolute perfectionist. And I just wanted something different to get me out of a cycle of almost dying. What am I going to do next? So I thought maybe a few self-defense class would help with my confidence. My second class just happened to be boxing. I was always the last person to be picked at school. Boxing just wasn't for me at all. 
when I discovered something I could do very well and I was passionate about. So it, it kind of discovered me and it's been a journey of amazing achievement, skill, advancement and friendship for the last two and a half years. Mm-hmm. In that moment, I'm curious to go back as far as just a little bit in that it sounds like emergency room moment that you were having. Did you think you would come back? No, no. I um, go back to my first moment in 2006 where I had a procedure to try and uh, remove a blockage in my bile duct. Um, then within 12 hours, being admitted to intensive care and asking if I could be placed on a ventilator because I couldn't breathe. That's one tough moment to face. Mm-hmm. And then a few weeks later, still in intensive care, having a tracheotomy, which was always one of my ever worst fears, and then being placed back on a ventilator, not knowing if I'm going to wake up. Mm-hmm. So those are two very tough moments in my life. How do you maintain um, meaning in life at that point when you know that there's a possibility that this might be the last breath that you take? Um, a lot of it I don't remember because in the induced cameras I was in, um, it's the dreams that keep you going because I'm not fully aware. I was aware of the tracheotomy and I was, I'm not particularly religious, but I was focusing on the energy and courage of those performing the operation, Mm -hmm. performing the procedure. Um, I pray to whoever is up there. Um, the first time I asked to be placed on the ventilator. So you realize how short life is and how, valuable it is to focus on health fitness and those around you and, and loving life because mm-hmm. with so, with the ventilator can correct me if i'm wrong but what's the pos- what's the chance that you actually serve, uh live it, it's pretty low isn't it it's, it's very low so i think the general starts at 50 percent of coming out of intensive care mm. uh, for me it, the chances were, were much lower than that i was I had an undiagnosed rare world immune disease, sepsis, collapsed lungs, pancreatitis. So my body is shutting down. My family were told four times I was not going to survive the night. So those, that moment in life can shape you. It mm-hmm. helps you realize how short life is, how much you need to focus on the right things and having a positive mindset. And it's tough. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. And then, Going back to December 2017, being in in Australia, we call it resus, the resuscitation section of emergency, being close to death again, thinking, I know what's next. If they don't save me from what they're doing right now, it's either back on a ventilator or back into ICU. And I know what that was like. So that was uh, an awakening moment. Put it that wow. Way. Wow. You've been through quite a bit. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> as far as that. Oh, mate, yeah. The number of yeah, events. I've had four major surgeries. Um, I'm probably 70 plus hospital admissions in the last 14 years. And as we're recording this right now, I'm recovering from a very severe adesanian crisis. I was admitted to hospital on Monday evening, ambulance and straight into the recess section again. So this, this week has been a, another severe moment Mm -hmm. you bring up a really good point about life and i started to believe this even more than anything just within the past maybe year or so is how precious life really is and how at any given moment something could either shift or change 
and it can completely change my experience on here. And so as part of this journey, what I realized is the importance of acknowledging and being grateful, even for the small things, the ability to breathe, to see, to touch all the basic things that I would wake up in the morning or I used to and just breeze by. Wouldn't even think about the fact that the ability to breathe can be taken away at any given moment. I tell you, hearing what has happened to people this year with, with COVID-19 mm-hmm. and the intense suffering that the whole world has gone through. I was prepared for what may happen this year because when people were talking about COVID and people going into intensive care and I like, mm-hmm. well, I, I've been there. So I, so I know I've, I've had to make lifestyle changes. I, I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke and I, I never have, but I have to maintain lifestyle changes to make sure I have low levels of stress and have a healthy diet. So people having to stay at home and not exercise. I've got a 15 kilo plate. I see a trainer. So I've, I've been able to adapt at home, but it's been tough mm-hmm. because I knew what it would be like to get very sick very quickly. And I didn't want to face that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's one of those. It's, it's hard to know, when it happens, it's very difficult to predict, but the fact that it does happen or has happened to someone else, there is a possibility may happen to, to anyone. And the other thing that I've learned is that oftentimes, in my opinion, some of us as people, we don't choose to acknowledge certain problems unless it becomes a problem for us. So it is only in that moment that when we take that reflective yeah. approach, like, oh, this is a problem. Maybe I shouldn't treat it lightly <laughs> moving forward. I agree. I agree. I, I have the word courage tattooed on my back and I was, I have fear nothing tattooed on my back. I mean, 20 plus years ago, I, I was on a training course and I was taught the acronym SARA and it, and the, the acronym meant shock, anger, resistance, acceptance. So usually something would happen. It's an initial shock and you would get angry you would then you resist something from happening, resist the truth, and then you would finally accept. Mm-hmm. I have learned to try and go straight to acceptance because it's that acceptance. I'm in the position where I'm able to influence an outcome, manage an outcome, or at least be part of the journey of control. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, if you're just stuck in those previous emotions, you're, you're not part of the journey. So even the moments where I thought, I, is this going to be the end? or what, what's happening here, but after being diagnosed with a rare condition, having time to grow more surgeries or be back in hospital, I still want to be part of the conversation mm-hmm. rather than just being told what's happening and having to deal with those emotions. And it's in quite incredible resilience and acceptance, but it's much easier than being stuck in that cycle of emotion. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, having been what you've been through, what is your concept of time? now i describe time in three it's like three different priorities so you mm-hmm. there's like doing your work going to everyday life that you need to do shopping taking those things just you need to get done but i describe three time priorities the, the most important is time with my my husband because that's the time I, I enjoy the most in life and i won't compromise on time with that second would be time for myself things i enjoy doing and the third is like time for friends, family, and, and, and other people. Make sure you have time in your life for yourself. 
so I won't compromise on going to the gym, boxing training, things I enjoy. I used to compromise a little bit too much on not having enough time for myself. And time with my partner is first and foremost. Mm. That's what I enjoy most in life. So that's how I would describe time. Why do you think some of us compromise that time with ourselves, but yet we find time for everything else? I think because we haven't learned to put ourselves first, meaning that doesn't mean being selfish. And that was a tough life lesson to learn. I used to put myself far too low down the, the pecking order. Hmm. And then I realized in order to help others, I needed to help myself first and foremost. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it takes, it takes a life experience. It takes a life lesson to, to learn that putting yourself first is important. Mm-hmm. I find it kind of interesting how on airplanes, for example, the concept of put your oxygen mask on first before you put yeah. it on anyone else. But yet, as soon as you step out of it, the, the message, at least my experience has been, it's that help others before you help yourself or love others before you, before you love yourself. So it's a slightly contradicting point than what, than what we're taught during airplanes where survival could be something yeah. that we, we worry about. But I, I do agree with you. I, I think the importance of putting yourself first, I know one of the things I started to do is just take one day completely off every single week. Don't do anything, just focus on you. And then throughout the other days, you know, still do the activities that could be described as part of self-care. But I think that's, um, I think it's a skill. I think it's a trained mindset. I don't believe it's something that is just kind of given and becomes innate as part of my life. It is. It's, I talk about being selfish and generous. Um, be I don't think most people like to be selfish, but I think you need to be selfish sometimes and, and generous. So that you give something back as well. Mm-hmm. An example is I love boxing. So I pay for time with my coach and she is generous with her time to what she does for me in and outside of the boxing training where friends is helping me develop my world gate boxing championships. Mm. But at the same time, I'm getting a lot because I'm developing my skill set, my confidence, mm-hmm. my ability to do something different. So if I were just rocking up every week, paying X amount to train, that would be, would be fine. But there's a selfish component. I want to advance my training and being generous because I'm trying to create an event for the people. And it's the same for my training because she's very passionate and what mm-hmm. I'm doing as well. So you, you should both get something out of it. It's a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a two-way street without a doubt. It's yeah. you and everything else that gets involved. I'm, I'm curious to know, so I personally haven't come across a conversation about boxing. And in fact, my only knowledge of boxing, if I'm being completely honest, it is the Rocky movies and it is Creed. I, I love those films and I love, I love the activity for a couple reasons, especially the way maybe it's portrayed through those films is that there's so much that the individual oftentimes learns about himself and identifies as meaning and different things that they choose to pursue. What have you learned so far through that experience? What, ha- what kind of impact has boxing had in your life? Boxing has changed my life in a way I, I never thought possible. For me, boxing, I never enjoyed it. I could never watch it. Um, it was almost barbaric. It was like fine for the people to do it just wasn't for me i was always mm-hmm. like the last person picked it for sport in school i could i was great at swimming and probably more of the summer sports but just wasn't for me so what i have learned 
is the camaraderie, the relationship with the people in and outside of the ring, the spirit of friendship, the spirit of community and support. I'm a pretty strong guy, pretty fit. You know, I'll probably do resistance training four to five times a week. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of cardio training, but I wanted something like more precise where I could really focus on my mental health as well as physical health in one activity. And that's what boxing has brought for me. So by hitting the pads and the bags and doing shadow boxing and sparring training, I've created great friendships. I've created a more self-confidence. Mm-hmm. I've been able to channel my fear, the psychological fear of maybe entering the ring of like, well, boxing is okay now because I can do it rather than previously it was, unless I could do something, I probably wouldn't go and do it because my mm-hmm. perfectionism would stop me from trying things out in life. So I've, I've learned to be a bit more courageous. I've learned that it is not just about fighting. It's actually about respecting the person you're training with, who's coaching you, who is sparring with you because you form a relationship when you're in the ring, when it's, whether you're sparring for one minute or two minutes or doing three or four rounds, there's incredible level of respect and support for each other. Mm-hmm. And I've just learned more awareness and I, I have high levels of awareness because when I was in an induced coma, I'm pretty much creating a, an environment around me because I'm having all of these dreams. And when you're in a, in, in a dream state, you, you're very aware of what's happening. Mm. There's so many metaphors within what you just said. I think the first one that I picked up was stepping into that ring yeah. and facing that fear. Yeah. I immediately thought of life. Life is that ring. And so choosing to step yeah. into it with no fear and knowing that this is just part of the journey. So why, and identifying why am I afraid and what am I afraid of? Sounds like this activity or boxing in general may help with some of those things. Absolutely. Fear is a great source of information. Most people want to avoid Mm. fear. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm probably the type of person that I will make a decision, but fear forms part of that decision-making process. How, Mm -hmm. How do I feel? And I use a strategy which I call the courage bank. I look back to times in my life, emotions, experiences that have helped me get through a difficult time. And I try and place myself in that moment to drive me forward. So an an example of a beach on a Sunday morning, you may be going down to visit your local beach. We Mm -hmm. live in Sydney, so we've got some great beaches in Sydney. You're relaxed, you see the ocean, you see people enjoying themselves. But on a Monday morning, you may go back to work thinking, oh my goodness, back to work. Uh You wish it were Sunday. But if it were a public holiday and you were back at the beach, you have that same feeling of relaxation, you're having fun down at the bit sunny, you're with friends, family, whatever. But on a Monday, it's the same beach as the Sunday. The only thing that has changed is yourself. So I try and focus on those moments and propel me forward. Mm-hmm. Did you ever used to live for the weekend? Yeah, pretty much. It was like work and it's like weekend was here we are. And now I, I really love where I work and what I do. Mm-hmm. And now I try and enjoy as most of, of life as I can. Mm-hmm. The only reason why I ask that is because I used to be like that as well. 
I think until finding that passion and that purpose and ultimately something that can help you pay bills and whatever else to get rid of, not get rid of, but develop a different relationship with some of these stressors that we face. I found myself in doing that living for the weekend. And I think in my opinion, it's a slightly dangerous road to be in because what I realized throughout my journey was that in living for the weekend, I didn't really embrace the other days for what they could be. Yeah. And every single day is a new opportunity. I sometimes say, enjoy the week to earn the weekend. Why does life take your stress for five days and for those final two days? And let's face it, on a Sunday afternoon, you're starting to think about work. Yeah. Yeah. And the, what, 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 take that Friday 5 p.m. feeling and try and have that for every day during the week or, or find something, have time. That's why I come back to those time priorities I was uh-huh. describing earlier. I want to go back, go back to fear. One of my biggest fears is snakes. Still is a big fear of mine. And I live in a country which has the world's most venomous, dangerous snakes. I've, I've never seen one in the wild when uh, asking about walking. But last year, I was in the city and I went to Sydney uh, Wildlife World, which has a few strange animals, and walking around. And there's a, there's a python literally a few meters away from me. And mm-hmm. it's, I decided I'm going to conquer my fear today. So there's a lady, she's actually handling the snake. And I said, look, can I touch it, please? So literally, for years, I've always feared snakes. And I put my hand on the snake. And it feels so smooth. Mm-hmm. And then I do it again. And then I have this snake is actually wrapped around my arm. And, I t- and I'm actually, it's being filmed. And I've, I've, I've put it on, on LinkedIn. But that one moment, I decided, you know what? I'm going to face my fear. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling comfortable. It's safe. Um, I've been through so much more in my life. I've never touched a snake. I'm going to do that today. Mm. And I'm so pleased I did. Mm-hmm. And what was funny is is seeing other people's reactions to me doing it when, when I've described it and I've shown people the video, people who may have their own fear, mm-hmm. them laughing. I'm laughing at their fear and I'm the one who, who's faced it. Mm-hmm. I can definitely say that right now I'm still afraid of snakes. There are two things that I'm afraid of, snakes and spiders. And I happen to, so I live in Austin, Texas right now. And I would say it's as well a relatively hot destination for both of those. <laughs> um, in fact, I, I encounter different types of spiders probably on a daily basis, especially after a rain, you will see a lot of the webs developed. And I mean, black widows and whatever else, you, you those are common. They're everyone. So it just made... It's one of those things where I, I personally haven't dove into that part yet in how to face that fear. Because I will say this, I believe that there are different layers of fear. Not every fear is the same thing and not every fear is meant to be approached from the same angle. You know, some fears in life, I choose to just step into it, embrace it. Other, fear, other fears, I think, have a more prolonged relationship such as the one with snakes. I, in my opinion, for me, I know that it will be much more than being able to simply touch a snake. There's going to be some sort of psychological things that I got to go through in understanding why am I even afraid of snakes to begin with? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so in that case, but that's a really interesting story that you mentioned. I'm definitely going to have to try something like that and see if that could be a beginning point for me. It's interesting. And I, I talk about courage using the word pace. Mm-hmm. For me, courage, when you're passionate, you're going to do something. You, you'll find a way of doing it. So I talk mm-hmm. about having your passion. And then when you're passionate, you take an action, you do something, you start. And then when you've, you've, you've tried something for a few times, you're, you're growing in confidence. And with confidence provides excellence. And I talk about being a perfectionist, but I talk about striving for excellence. And that's why I use pace. So mm-hmm. passion to action provides confidence and excellence. I was passionate about conquering my fear. So I took an action, I touched a snake. I was confident because I touched it a second time. And with mm-hmm. excellence, I had it wrapped around my arm. Mm. Now, would I want that snake wrapped around my neck? Probably not. Would I be able to do it now? Absolutely. Mm. I had the courage to do it, but it was a, it was a steps of courage to help me face my fear. Mm-hmm. So in that case, is there a difference between courage and recklessness? And if so, what would that look like? So recklessness. So for me, courage is I know I have the ability to do far more than what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm with fear i sense and i i do a risk assessment so i have addison's disease so prior to training i make sure i take an additional dose of my medication because i will need that for my training mm-hmm. now when i'm sparring i need to make sure i breathe properly i'm not putting my body under too much stress and the times i stop because of my condition. Sometimes I'll continue just to make, because I think I'll, I'll be okay, but it would be reckless of me to continue training and continue sparring if I know I'm at risk. And that's mm-hmm. why I love about boxing because of the health and safety and the priority on safety. Safety mm-hmm. is absolutely paramount. Mm-hmm. Now the courage is, is for me to continue when it's safe for me to do so, but it's reckless of me to continue when it's no longer safe. Mm-hmm. Where did you, and I'm completely assuming here, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but <laughs> did you ever learn how to breathe through courses, instructors, anything like that? Or is that just a natural process that you chose to take upon? And the only reason why I asked that is because of this. So I struggle when it comes to the breathing. I know that I've had, I've had exercise-induced asthma for quite some time, and I know that I catch myself every single day having small shortness of breath, small windows. And so I've been past maybe two months learning about different methods of breathing and actually taking 30 to 45 minutes and just every single day, breathing in and out through different forms. Do you do similar thing? Are there courses, people that you follow when it comes to that? Oh, this is such a complex question for me. So <laughs> I, I, where do we begin? I, had, right? <laughs> where do we be? I used to have asthma as a teenager and exercise induced, but my sport up until the age of 15 was swimming. I was an excellent swimmer. I represented the county as mm-hmm. a county champion at swimming. Um, my nat- we were basically trained to really like try and hold your breath. It was like, don't take a breath. It's a 50 meter sprint. Don't take a breath. You're going to do kick the wall. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was always having, having strong lungs and taking deeper, longer breaths. Um, not being able to breathe, but on a ventilator, I can tell you my, 
um, I had had the tracheotomy. This is my tracheotomy voice. If I speak to my throat, this is my voice. So I actually have to use more of my diaphragm to get my natural voice back. So speaking mm. for long periods of time, raising my voice is quite a lot on my body. And I suppose I've learned to breathe through my mouth, breathe through my nose and then through my mouth. But with boxing, mm-hmm. my, my natural thing is, is holding my breath from my years of swimming. So I've had to learn to make sure I take lots of breaths when I'm jabbing and crossing and doing hooks and uppercuts because I tend not to breathe so much. So mm-hmm. I do answer your question, don't do any courses, no, but I try and make sure that self-awareness, having mm-hmm. to breathe, mm-hmm. relaxing when I can. Um, but it's, it's the importance of breathing is, is about connecting with your body, connecting with your mind. Mm-hmm. So it's with, when I'm sparring or I'm training, it's like I make sure I go <sighs> every single stroke mm-hmm. I'm breathing out. And my coach is always saying, focus on your breathing, focus on your breathing, because you, I'm sure you can keep going for a period of time, but you'll gas out and it will create stress in the body, which comes back to my Addison's disease again mm-hmm. and recklessness. So it, it's, it's a big component of just making sure you're aware of your breathing, I think, for me. Now, I've heard of this, and I, I don't know if it's um, a theory or a myth, but in the case of many of us as, as individuals, what I heard was that we actually don't breathe fully, and that as we stop ourselves, it's almost like I think we, we um, inhale and ex- exhale very short breaths instead of letting it, our lungs completely yeah. fill up. Is that true? To a degree? I believe so. Yeah, okay. I believe so. Because uh, one of the techniques of breathing through your nose and out through your mouth means you're taking that longer breath. Mm. Um, certainly in swimming, I used to be making sure that I was taking that very short breath that would take a long period of time. So, for example, when, you, when you're diving off the blocks, the one thing I knew is I need to take a breath because I might not be breathing for, you know, 10, 15 seconds because I'm mm-hmm. focusing on trying to win the race. Mm-hmm. Um when I was fighting for my life and first hanging, going into the first induced coma, I had an oxygen mask and I was purely focused on making sure I could get as much breath as possible. But breathing induces fear, induces panic. Mm. We take, <laughs> mm-hmm. you may do that after a running race, but you may be doing that if you're scared or you're mm-hmm. frightened or something mm-hmm. is happening or you're feeling anxious. But if you calm down and focus, your, breath, your breathing should help you. Mm-hmm. It should help you concentrate. I noticed that quite a bit as far as the focus and awareness part. Whenever I play basketball out here, it, we will play for, let's say, two or three, maybe sometimes even four hours. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> halfway through, it also depends on the environment. If it's extremely hot, it's mm-hmm. a little bit harder to breathe. And so the, those techniques really understanding how am I breathing each time. I can't say that I am 100% aware about it because there's certain things within that game. For example, when there are other portions of your brain that ended up, end up taking over as far as decision-making process goes. And so that awareness shifts, let's say, to making a play or thinking ahead two or three moves and figuring out what the play could be. And so the, the awareness shifts from my ability to focus on a breath to an action that's something that happens down the road and i notice 
in those situations, I transitioned from nose to mouth. And that's where I started to experience a lot of that shortness of breath because it's, it's going through my mouth and out through my mouth. And so that, that I think time for that breath, I mean, it cuts down at least half because it's so much faster to go through my mouth versus you're right. If you go through the nose, you know, it, it goes all the way around almost forms a circular motion, but if it's through the mouth, I'm cutting out this part completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love flying. I love, I turn into my parents when I go into a supermarket. Now I always buy the specials and I always try and get really healthy, nutritious food, but I used to buy all the, all the brands, but just now I just, just buy whatever I need. Mm-hmm. And they use those savings to go and fun traveling. And I love sleeping on a flying and I just think I'm up in the air. I love traversing the Pacific Ocean. I love going to South America. I love going to Africa. Because then I have some great friends and people I consider family over there. But it's at that moment, it's very cathartic. And I have great sleeps. And mm-hmm. when I'm playing, and the breathing just comes naturally. Because you're in a happy state. So you don't mm-hmm. think about breathing through your mouth or through your nose. You're just doing something. So let it come naturally. When you're aware of it, that's mm-hmm. great. But don't overcomplicate something as simple as breathing. Mm-hmm. That's a really great insight to walk away with. And the thing that you also mentioned in regard to stress and fear and how it's going to have its own pattern for that breath, choosing to work with that stress. So I'm curious to hear from your end when it comes to dealing with stress and managing it because you are, I mean, that's something that you have to be aware of probably a hundred percent of the time. What do you personally do? What's a routine that you follow? What have you seen that worked? What have you seen that may not work as well in managing a lot of the daily stress that you encounter? I've had to struggle with stress a lot and I've got, I've become far more stressed than I've needed to in my life. With Addison's disease, stress can kill. Um, There are three types of stress, psychological, emotional, physical stress. And I used to push myself far too much at work, do really long hours, and I'd pull it off and get sick because of that. Mm. So what I do is coming back to courage and, and awareness and those time priorities. It's time for the gym. It's time with my husband. It's time with friends, things that I enjoy. Making sure I'm as effective as possible during the working day. Loving what I do at work, being very skilled at what I do delivering outcomes with building really good rate relationships with, with stakeholders and peers but it's also having the courage to know when you are stressed doing something about it because fear most people avoid fear and they mm-hmm. continue panic they continue that cycle but if you're aware of something you can make change and having the courage to be vulnerable saying i'm not okay having the courage to say i need help i need to do something different Stress is also a great awareness for me. If I'm not, if I'm going to be sick, if I'm not, if I'm going to go into an adrenal crisis, mm-hmm. I take steps. I take more cortisol. I might give myself an intramuscular injection. I go and seek medical help. I did that on Monday night. I needed an ambulance to arrive to help me get to hospital because I couldn't get there by myself. So that was a stressful moment because I was under physical stress, but I wasn't stressed, stressed because I knew I would be okay. But it takes a good level of awareness. And, for pe- and I actually say to people, tell me if I'm taking on too much, if I look too stressed, 
because sometimes mm. we think we're okay, we're okay, to the point where we, we push ourselves too far. So mm. also, other people saying you're looking stressed, or you need to slow down a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting as far as choosing to take other people's observations mm. when it comes to that and, and really taking it seriously and knowing that every single person can be a value if you create that space for them to provide that value to you. Yeah, everybody has value. Everybody has worth. Um, for me, the boxing, what I'm trying to achieve is make it a more inclusive sport, make it more fun for the LGBTQI community, bringing the sport of boxing to more people because sport is community. Community is something that we all strive to be part of. We have a sense of belonging. We have mm-hmm. a sense of having others seeking help and people having others when, when we need it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to look out for each other. And put, putting ourselves first, we're in a position where we can help somebody when they need it most. Mm-hmm. Final thought, why do you think there is a stigma against boxing? And what is that stigma to begin with? I think people just don't understand. Um, I think there's a stigma in boxing that it's a hyper-masculine sport. But mm-hmm. I, was, I was ignorant. And through learning a little bit more, I've discovered a passion for life. So, so with anything, if you, if you fear it, try and understand it. Go and learn something about it. Mm. It's a great approach to take to life in general. <laughs> yeah. not, not only boxing, but every other topic and subject. I could think of Martin what's the best way that people can connect with you do you have anything that's coming up as far as your work goes that people can be involved so the best way to connect with me is through LinkedIn I'm very prolific on LinkedIn I'll also just keep an eye on our website the world gay boxing championships.org Thank you all for choosing to tune in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week.